I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ramdas's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ramdas, Krishnadas, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more. The Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the New Growth Podcast with Nikki Walton. Join her as she explores divine love as a key to spiritual growth, empowered service, and inner and outer success. If you'd like to support Nikki's podcast, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com forward slash Nikki. Welcome back to New Growth. After you get done listening to this episode, I would love for you to check out my other podcast, Good Mornings with Curly Nikki, also known as God Mornings with Curly Nikki, available on Apple Podcasts. Please listen, subscribe, leave a review, and you can start waking up with me, waking up as love every single day of the week. Monday through Friday, I drop a new episode in each one consists of a different spiritual practice, what I like to call easy access doors into this truth, into this oneness. And so we're just practicing love every morning until, you know, we recognize that we never had to practice it, that we are it. So check it out. Check it out. Join me every morning, every good morning, every God morning. (laughs) Good mornings with Curly Nikki. I'll see you there. First of all, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It is truly an honor. I'm not a cool kid, so I would not have known who you were. I don't watch TV. I don't do anything besides read and pray and meditate. But I have a cool friend that lives in London, and he is a huge fan. And he told me all about you. And I got to be the cool kid for a minute because I'm like, well, kind of like indirectly affiliated because of Ramdas. So I'm like, I'll DM him for you on your behalf, get his email so that you can send him a love note. And wow, he did, cool. but we would not have been connected if it wasn't for him. You know, just wow. kind of saying like, you know, I really love his work. I love his approach to spirituality. Without him, it would not have happened. Hey, James, I know you're watching. I know you're listening. He already heard our other podcast, you know. For Hi, James. Show. Thanks for introducing <laughs> us. Yeah, yeah. So it's so cool. So thankful how all of this works. Um, But the way I start every episode is to hear from you how you experience the present moment, like how you're experiencing this now, right now. This this like exact moment? This exact now. This exact now. Okay, so... Uh, slightly cold because uh, I'm st- I'm I can't go to my studio because my entire family's sick. So right now I'm in my basement. Uh, I feel good. I feel really good. You know, a little tired. Yeah. It's been a rough. 
it's been a rough week because I've, you know, dealing with the entire family getting COVID and, you know, also wow. just trying to support my wife who's, you know, has with COVID been taking great care of the kids, but also going wow. through the emotional, not that I'm not, but, um, you know, I think in a relationship you have to take certain roles on and both of us can't be like incredibly deeply hyper uh, emotional worrying mm-hmm, over the kids. Mm-hmm. Like someone's got to be like, it'll be fine. Even though inside. Yeah, exactly. There have been exactly. moments where I'm like, holy shit, it's the fucking apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> it's scary. It's scary. My daughter yeah. had it. First week of school, you know, and I was wavering between, oh my God, this is terrible. And back yeah. to everything's fine. And then, you right. know, this is okay. I can be this rock. I can be solid for her. But it's that fear comes in. It knocks hard. Sure. Yes, yeah. it does. Because especially, you know, with other colds and sicknesses, you kind of know what's going to happen. But COVID has that element of like, it just can take a left turn for right. some people, not really for kids. And yeah. what they're saying about Omicron, which I'm assuming they all have, is it's not quite as terrible as other yeah. versions of COVID, like the one I got, Del- Delta. But still, yeah, it's scary to be a parent, no matter what. Wow, so you've had it too. Goodness, your whole household. So how are they doing right now? They're, everyone's great. Everyone's fine. They've all, they're, they don't, no symptoms. Everyone's fine. Good, 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 good. That makes me smile on the inside, from the inside out. So I want you to share with my audience who might be filled with some not so cool kids too. First of all, your journey into spirituality. You are a very famous man. You are a very, you are very worldly successful. You are a stand-up comedian. You tour. You have this yes. fabulous podcast that you invited me to and I felt so honored to be on. Thank you for being you on. You are, I used to watch Adult Swim, like when I was still watching TV. And if I was still a TV watcher, your content would be what I would consume. You know, like that late night, like funny cartoon. Like I love cartoons that are for adults. Tell us about your journey into spirituality and how you got all the way up to Midnight Gospel. Um, So it's, I guess it's, it's hard to answer the first question in, a, in any kind of like coherent way. I bet you know what I'm talking about. It's just when you sort of think back to how did I get into this stuff or what even is yeah. this stuff that I'm into or who is even the thing that's into this stuff, you know? <laughs> and at some point you it, you might even get to a place where like, I don't know if I've started the journey yet. You yeah. know, I think. Um, I, I like that. Who is the thing that's into the stuff? That's great. That's the end of the interview. So that's all. Thank you all so much for tuning in. <laughs> what are we doing here? What is any of this? <laughs> yeah, who's the thing? Um, the as far as uh, the Midnight Gospel and, and my podcast, I just you know there was a time when people didn't know what a podcast was, and uh, I remember someone invited me to do their podcast in LA, and I just thought it was really fun. And an interesting medium to have a conversation like this, sort of uh, the the way that having microphones in front of you when you're <laughs> chatting with someone transforms yeah. the energy. It's, it's really yeah. interesting. It focuses yeah. Yeah. the energy in this really beautiful way. So I like that. And then um, my partner at the time and I started a podcast called The Lavender Hour. Mm-hmm. And then after we split up, uh, I changed the name of the podcast to... I mean, I you know, it was a new podcast, the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. And I, at some point, got an email from uh, Pendleton Ward, who created this show called Adventure Time, mm-hmm. saying that he really liked my podcast. And I, I thought it was a um, catfish or something, you know, just someone yeah, messing with me. Because I, yeah. I couldn't imagine that any, I didn't understand, you know, this was still kind of early on in the podcast era. And, then it then uh, Pendleton and I became friends, and um, at some point over the years, he said, "I think I have an idea for a way to turn your podcast into a cartoon." And I was like, "All right, let's do it." And the first time when he mentioned that to me, he said, "You know, I'm too busy right now. I I don't think that I have time to do it." And then year like a year or two later, he reached out to me and said, "Hey, let's do this idea." And so. Because it was Pendleton and because 
he really is a, a just a true a genius, an incredible artist. We were able to uh, get Netflix interested in the idea, and they let us make the show, and that's how it happened. Wow. So Pendleton was listening. P- Pendleton, I'm sorry, I'm going to have them edit that out. Pendleton was listening to your podcast. What was it that drew him in? Like, which topics was it that had the him spirituality. listening in every week? He liked yeah. the spirituality stuff, and he liked that I um, was, I think that he, he, you know, he liked that I was just sort of, you know, being quite, being very honest about what was going on yeah. in my life and not tiptoeing around whatever it was that was going through my head in those days. The transparency. Yes, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And that so that's mixed what in I want. with the spiritual stuff. I think he liked that. With the spiritual stuff, yeah. I want to hear how Duncan got into spirituality. Like what turning point, like what happened in your life where you ended up here? And I know it's hard to figure that out. We all yep. have some form of a story we can piece together. Like what turned you to this? Well, um, the, I think the first real encounter with it was uh, this book. My mom had all these these books around, and one of them was called Raja Yoga by Yogi Ramacharaka, who, nice. by the way, is is, a, is not even his name. It's he came he invented the name for himself to sell mm-hmm. books. His real name he's an English occultist who was putting these like books out and you, you know which is still I don't care what his name is but I he knew he was not going to sell as many yoga books with a name like James Williams or <laughs> exactly. Terrence yeah. Frenchly or whatever his name was so yeah. he called himself Yogi Ramacharaka anyway yeah. I I remember um opening the book I liked the book cuz it, it had a really interesting cover I think there was a circle with a it had some kind of symbol on the on the book that seemed mystical to me. And so then I just started reading. The good news is in the book, he had uh, put a lot of, you know, basic I- yogic ideas in there that I had never really heard of. And um, mm-hmm. I can remember that was what compelled me to try to like meditate for the first time, which I just couldn't yeah. do. And I remember trying to tell my brother, like, try to sit still for, for two or three minutes. It's crazy. <laughs> It's crazy. It's impossible. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible. Um, but, but I, you know, I think that uh, was the very first encounter with it that I had. And then... So your you mom know, was into it. Was she meditating regularly? Had you seen her seated or, you know, trying to no, do any of the practices? She wasn't doing that practice, but um, she was definitely doing a, a, a early in those days she was she was beginning a real path and mm. i think for her that meant a lot of contemplation journaling and reading these books yeah. um you know single mom two kids that weren't exactly well behaved you know so i think she was really going through it in those yeah. days and in yeah. those books and ideas were really useful to her to awesome. not go completely nuts <laughs> yes um you know <laughs> but understand. that so that um, she started listening to Ramdas actually mm. on these trips that we would take to uh, visit my grandmother in Georgia, and so on the way there she would play these Ramdas tapes, and I would pretend to you know be embarrassed by them or hate them, or yeah. I'd just roll my eyes and be like yes. whatever. Or she played Jack Cornfield, yeah. who she had a crush on, and, and I would just be like, oh, mom, come on. You know, at the time she was dating new age guys. Oh, and then, cool. so, um, yeah, I uh, really pretended to reject it, but I was, I, I loved Ram Dass's voice, mm-hmm. and I loved the stories that he, he was telling. And um, I think those were all these, like, seeds that just uh, started growing in me later on down the line, you know, yeah. but it's hard to say exactly when. Again, I really mean like I don't, I, I know I love to uh, read Buddhist scripture and I love, like right now I'm listening to this uh, wonderful audiobook by Pima Chodron, but uh, every time I one? listen, uh, let me look, I've, I listen to so many of these damn things. I know, me too. I, I never even I know titles. <laughs> I don't know the titles. I just know the authors. Sometimes don't even know the author. Yeah, this one is um, Start Where You Are. 
Pima yes. Chodron. And it is, oh my God, it's so good. And it's, you know, what I've heard, um, I don't remember, again, I don't remember where any of this stuff comes from, but in, in one of these Buddhist books I was reading, it was talking about um, reading and study and practice like two, the two wings of a bird. Mm. And you need both, you know, you, you, having a practice is uh, great, but, you know, and you do know because you have a very serious, r- rigorous spiritual discipline, but you know that stuff comes up during that practice that you can't necessarily just go to anyone and mention it to exactly. because it's, some of it's very subtle, yeah. some of it's very weird, some mm-hmm. of it's just like very slight, you know, questions about posture maybe or yeah. whatever's coming up. And uh, so I love when I'm doing a, pra- a when I have a sitting practice and I'm also um, listening to a, a teacher or working with my teacher. The two are, work so nicely yeah, together. Yeah. But Do I don't ever, know. To answer your question, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 whenever I listen to people like Pima Children, I really do think, ah, I think I'm just starting right now. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably why the book is called Start Where You Are. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So with your practice today, what does it look like? Okay. So the today the practice looks like service because um, uh, I'm staying, you know, I'm staying home from work to help out. So that means like letting my wife who is get gets up with the kids quite often, letting her sleep in, you know, cooking breakfast for the kids, um, putting the baby. I've got this cool backpack thing yeah. that I put the baby in while I'm cooking breakfast for them, which he really likes, and then listening to Pima Children as as I'm doing that. And then I will I'm going to sit today. Mm-hmm. Um, in the, I have my cushions right behind me here. Nice. Um, but for me right now, the 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 practice is really. I've been putting a lot of energy into the idea of service. I think I that's really why I love this Pima Children book so much yeah. because um, she's talking about something called. Oh God, it's got the coolest name. Oh, man, in in in. Uh, Tibetan Buddhism, there's these sort of sayings that are mm-hmm. like uh, that you you allow yourself to think about after your practice, and these sayings are really cool. Uh, one of like one of them being "all dharmas are empty" or um, you know everything is everything is a dream, mm-hmm. and then then it keeps getting like it, it or the best one is. Everyone wins, I lose. You know, things like that. That's the first one. The first one is everyone victory to everyone lost to me. And that's the key because wow. it's all there are all these phrases about liberation. And yes. so the first and, and and it's like density or something. So the it's dealing with the most dense causes of suffering first, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, the desire to be victorious or to win or whatever, yeah, to yeah. conquer. This yes. is, this is like, a, a con, this is, this grows, this is the deepest suffering comes from that. And then um, it sort of gets lighter and lighter and lighter until it starts dismissing itself, you know? Wow. So the, this, the sayings are, uh, the next saying after everything is a dream is something along the lines of like, uh, you know, some oh god like uh, what is the consciousness experiencing the dream and then liberate that consciousness that is experiencing the the dream to the point of every little piece of it is eventually let go of uh, wow. so i know it's so wow. cool i've got it, to get that and it's on audible so that it's will it will actually happen that's beautiful yes P- pima children is incredible wow so in your service that you're practicing, you know, at least in this last week, when that heaviness comes up and you forget that it is actually, like it's not a dream, when you feel that it's real and maybe <laughs> fear comes to knock on Duncan's door, yeah. how, like, how do you meet that? Oh God, not very well. I mean, I, I meet fear, I get angry when I'm afraid. It's really rotten. I, I mean, I'm in, I'm in therapy right now. And so... Um, it's wor- it's working, thank God, because it's not cheap. I'll tell you that. But yeah. the uh, uh, in 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 I learned to react to 
fear by getting incredibly angry or getting really cold. It's like, because my dad, he would get real, he had a real temper mm. and my mom would just completely ice down. And so I, these are like, we pick the, we don't just get the good stuff from our parents. We get, yeah. the, we get the bad stuff. Exactly. So these are my two coping mechanisms. So when I get afraid, uh, I'll either get turn into a fucking robot, which is exactly the last thing anyone in a marriage (laughs) needs when things are going tough Mm -hmm. to be around a Vulcan or something. So I'll get just very like, okay, uh, now we're going to do this. And Mm -hmm. then, and not try not to make any expression. All of it I used to think was because I was like doing survivalist stuff because I think I saw on TV this idea of like you shouldn't panic mm-hmm. and to me not panicking I, I instead of realizing what I was doing was like essentially like uh, freezing mm-hmm. uh, I, I had made up a story about how I was like survive this is how you survive and anyone who was showing emotion during rough moments specifically my wife I would be like ah oh, this yeah. is not how you react to this but I wouldn't say that I just get really cold mm-hmm. she this came up in therapy. So mm-hmm. now uh, when I'm getting afraid and I see the anger coming or that thing, I try to just get really vulnerable and yeah. say, uh, you know, this, I don't, I'm, I don't, I, I, it's so embarrassing. Like that hurt my feelings or I, ugh, I'm not feeling, I'm scared or this, you know, all these things, which just, uh, I find to be so unmanlike. Why do I find them so embarrassing? Like, what is that? I've been trying to figure that out lately. Like, I don't like crying on like a sappy movie. I try to hold back my tears so much because I don't want, even like around like my parents, like I don't want them to see me crying over a movie. I don't know what, why that is. Well, cause you're, you know, we, some of us, we learn, we have, we decide early on when we're kids that we got to survive this thing, this human incarnation. <laughs> we got to survive. Like, this is no, this is not time to cry. You look around, other people are crying, or maybe probably what happened is when you were crying, somebody in your life said, that's not what we do. Yep, this is a time up. to survive. <laughs> what are you doing? You got to get it together. And so then, you know, you, you build all these calluses up around that part of yourself yeah. that's incredibly vulnerable. Our entire culture depending on, uh, um, you know, probably if you're, depending on who you are, you our culture sort of celebrates this uh, ability to not uh, be vulnerable. Yeah. And so... And that's the only you way know. I was born that way. I, I cry at the drop of a hat. I cry very often for awesome things. I cry for beauty. I, cry, I can cry over commercial. You know, I cry over sad things. Like I cry. And when I yeah. get angry, I cry. You know, like that's, that's, it is what it is. When I get scared, I cry. Crying is it. That's it. I think, I think that's, you know, that's a, uh, to me, whenever I find myself crying over a commercial or something like that, um, I usually I usually see that as a as a good sign. I think the the crying and the um, and like uh, truly expressing yourself is, is like really uh, very courageous as long as you're able to continue to like make decisions and take yeah, like actions. <laughs> yeah, as long as you're able to function, it's you know it's really quite powerful, you know. And um, uh, yeah, but it's. Uh, you know, for for someone who's kind of out of practice in that regard, it, it, it definitely makes me feel really, like, weak and vulnerable and kind of mm. like, ugh, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, admit how absolutely, like, at one level, how absolutely uh, uh, sensitive I am. Yeah, you know? yeah. And not in a are. good way either, you know, not yeah. like, you know, a lot of people, they'll, like, uh, you know, I'm I'm a sensitive guy. I don't mean it like that. I mean like, oh, like, you know, like a lot of us have like these oozing, gaping wounds inside of us that are like Mm -hmm. really, that are, it's not, that we're not faking it. Like there's a reason we figured out all these uh, very like sophisticated defense mechanisms to cover that shit up. Exactly. Exactly. I'd love to know how you got connected with Ramdas and friends later on. Well, um, so 
this was actually when I was um, right as my uh, I, w- I was in a, a long term relationship that was ending, and I was really depressed. And um, I had uh, read somewhere that um, offerings, you know, service is a great way to combat depression, and so. I just emailed the Love Server Member Foundation because I loved Be Here Now. And I, you know, I don't know what I, I, I had a podcast. So I'm like, I could, you know, y'all should have a podcast. I could show you how to do podcasts. Service. I think that was what I, That's so yeah. Cool. Some it's kind, always service. Yeah. Yeah. And then somewhere in there, I, I became friends with Raghu. And then um, after my mother passed away from, from breast cancer, um, I was just so fucked up, man. I was so devastated. And Raghu, he, I remember he said, okay, I just want you to get up and buy the plane ticket to come to this retreat in Hawaii. You're not going to feel like, he was so smart. Like he understood exactly where I was at. He's like, don't think about it. Mm. Don't just do it. And so I remember, like I was so depressed. This was was must have been 2014, I'm yes. guessing. Okay. And then, yeah, I got the ticket, went to, this is when the retreats were much smaller than this was, uh, and they weren't, they, this was at this like tiny little um, yoga, like hotel resort place mm. called L- Lemuria or something in, wow. in Maui. And <clears throat> I remember just, Oh my God, I was rolling my eyes at everybody. I thought the whole, I was just like, give me a fucking break. This stuff, just the same stuff I used to do with my mom in the car, except yeah. there was Ram Dass. Right. I wasn't rolling my eyes at him, you know, because yeah. being around him is, is, was an incredibly powerful experience. Just being in the presence of someone like that was just, you know, no matter, I could roll my eyes at all the hippies. I was going to um, say it was at the culture of everyone around him, but. Yeah, the culture, exactly. Yeah. Rolling yeah. my, now, you know, this uh, eye rolling stuff that I was doing, again, it's just all defense mechanisms, mm-hmm. you know, because anytime you are around uh, people who are who have a legitimate practice, you know, and who have, have found a way to open up to the world, That's a that's going to be a a, a really intense threat to yes, yes. all the work mm-hmm. you've done building up your ego. So the answer is roll your eyes and be like, "Oh, really? Love? Okay, I guess we're going." <laughs> Love's oh, the answer, it, God. Yeah, okay, I guess so. <laughs> Even though you believe all that stuff, yeah, you know, it's just yeah. judgment is one of the uh, a great tool if you're of of you know shutting yourself off to. Yeah. Um, to love. And, you know, fortunately, the Ramdas, the satsang around Ramdas, as you know, uh, they seem to have a kind of incredible patience to them and mm-hmm. a recognition mm-hmm. of, like, uh, what's underneath all that bullshit, you know? <laughs> and so that's, that's, and I think that's what Neem Kroli Baba. Yeah, was like from what I hear is like yeah. he could see right through all that right yes. right into your heart yes. and it just in that witnessing your own heart it just completely blows up the game of like you know trying to control everything and trying to mitigate the uh, uh, it's a very paradoxical thing when you realize you're sort of in this war not to like have to win victory but you're in a war to keep love out of your life exactly exactly it's bizarre it's insane exactly a dumb war (laughs) yeah yeah tell me what it was like meeting ramdas that first time were you alone with him were there other people in the room and how did you feel so i so ragu took me to ramdas's house during this retreat that i was at and I was just, you know, I was paralyzed with, I just couldn't believe, I just couldn't believe it. I, you know, like, sometimes in in the world of comedy, you'll meet comics and they'll be like, 
I wanted to be a comedian since I was five. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like, that's you... How I never had that kind of confidence, you know, to be like, oh, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna get on stage and make people laugh. That's nuts to me. <laughs> Similarly, you know, trying to process how, like, suddenly I was in like Ramdas's swimming pool with Roshi J- Joan Halifax and Ramdas and Raghu, and I'm like, I, I just couldn't believe, I, you know, I just couldn't understand it. I still can't, and mm. and. uh the uh, I was really heartbroken over losing my mom and all the years of going through like you know someone um, you know transitioning and and uh, you know knowing that that's coming because she had cancer and yeah uh, but this you know they talk about um I don't understand the concept that that well but they they do talk a little bit about it, this idea of like dharma transmission this kind of non-linguistic sort of um a, a non-linguistic way of cutting to the cutting through it all right mm. to the to the to the heart and um <clears throat> so Every time I tell this story, I tear up. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> so I, um, I, uh, <clears throat> I, um, you know, in that moment, I remember thinking, uh, oh, I think things are going to get better. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, when someone's dying from cancer, it's years of this yeah. shadow. Um, knowing you're you're gonna lose your mom for yeah. years is very uh, not. We're all gonna lose our moms, but you know when there's a kind of expiration date that's yeah. placed on your mom by a doctor. So I um <clears throat> right when I thought that, I looked over at Ramdas, and he had the biggest smile on his face, <laughs> like he knew that it it had just like that had just popped into my head, wow. and he goes. <sighs> like that. And it was like, I, I, I don't know. I can't explain it. Like to me in that moment, every single thing he was so great at teaching, it was like he gave that to me in one. I can it, feel it, that. I can yeah, feel it. That's it beautiful. Like, yeah. It was pretty great. And then he, um, in this kind of fierce way, he, he, he looked at me, he goes, I need to talk to you. I want to talk to you. And so then we were up in his house and he, and he, you know, wheeled up to me in the wheelchair and I'm just crying. And, and, uh, I said to him, uh, I wish my mom was here. Yeah. And he gets that big smile and he goes, she is here. <laughs> <laughs> like looking through your eyes, you know, having this moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Wow. And um and he meant it, you know. And um So anyway, it was a very beautiful moment mm-hmm. that I will never forget. And um <clears throat> he said to me, he uh and again, you know, when you're with someone when you're having darshan with someone as they call it, um you know, the articulation of it from me to to the world can't I don't think it can successfully impart um, what's happening, you know, in 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 that moment? Because you know, someone a being like that is going to heal you, yeah, and and wouldn't be working with you if they didn't think you were ready, or if they didn't think there was some possibility of um, you being open t- to it. So, yeah. what he said to me was, you know, again, this is Ramdas's teachings, but he he said we he pointed to his head mm-hmm. and he said. We need to get you from here to here. And then he pointed to his heart. Yeah. And he goes, we can do that. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, Love yeah. It. And, um, and yeah, he, I think he was right. He, I think he did. He, he and uh, lots of people in that community have at least uh, in some maybe not so permanent way managed to get me, I don't know, what's in between your heart and your head. <laughs> close to it like <laughs> orbiting it or something orbiting. which I'll no, take I feel like you're, I mean when I was with you for the your show 
I could feel that love. And I feel it now. It's like having his darshan through you, you know? So you definitely, there's that dropping. We can all ride that elevator down, you know, from head to heart. And then it's just the practice for the rest of the life is staying down in the heart because we bounce right back up. I did one of my episodes of New Growth. I was like, pretend like, you know, your heart is the hotel lobby and you lost your card, your key to get back up and you're stuck. You can't go anywhere. And so it's like my whole life is just trying to stay here, like where you are right now and like all of that and that love, just not stepping out of it. Because when I step out of it, you know, it hurts. Wow, that's great. That's great that now you've managed to reverse it. Because for me, it's like anytime I pop in there, it's a, it's very much like, well, look, I'll just go get another hotel key. It's like, mm, yeah, I know. I know. Go back to the front room. desk. Excuse yeah. me. <laughs> no, we'll just hang out in the lobby. It's cool down here. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Wow. That is so powerful. You know, when you said that ah sound, I was reading. Osho's Book of Secrets recently and well not cover to cover it's like a thousand pages but his one of one practice a meditation is lingering on that sound and he said that's the sound you make when you exhale and when you're dying that's the sound it's like a release and we die in every moment just like dropping letting go so when you said he looked at you and just said it's like let go, you know, release, like drop down into the heart, fall down into the heart. And Osho was like, you can use words like Rama and just kind of like, ah, dragging that A out. But if you think about it, Krishna, you know, like Allah, it's like all those ahs, you know, almost there's a lot of names of God that have that ah sound at the end. So if we can just stay in that. And I do that, that sighing, you know, because that action does help you drop. I notice that in meditation, that when I exhale audibly through my mouth, it stirs that love. Yeah. Oh, and Krishna Das, in his book, um, Chance of a Lifetime, he talks about being with Maharaji. No, no, being back in Kinshi after Maharaji had passed away and being heartbroken and very upset, but then all of a sudden coming into that big form of Maharaji and feeling love and how he felt so thankful that as soon as he exhaled, he could feel it even more strongly, like that exhale, that ah, would stir the love and he could feel it more strongly. So there is definitely something physically there too for us to use and practice. Wow, yeah, right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yes, you know, this is the... The book I'm I'm listening to right now that is the, um, it, she's already she's sort of articulated she's teaching the practice of meditation that I already do, but you know it's everyone has a different way of explaining it like, um, you know Sharon like the the general instruction in Buddhism is, uh, some like put your attention on your breath. Sharon Salzberg has told me that it actually is rest your attention on your breath, yeah. and then I the, like that. Me too. It's a big difference between yes. placing and resting. Yeah. And then uh, what Pima Chodron and her instruction, it's um, 25% awareness on the out-breath. And not not on the in-breath, but that out-breath, of course, yeah. is that. Yeah. I love and so, that. Yeah. 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 Me too. I, I love all the, it's, you know, this is the other cool thing about having a practice and, and being able to have some reference point in your own sitting meditation uh, is noticing the how just a, the, a slight shift in the way we think about the specifics of our practice can have a huge impact. Oh, yeah. You know, because placing attention on the breath, you can end up becoming too rigid and yes. fixated yeah. on the breath. It's a doing. It's a doing. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're exerting. Yeah. Whereas, and in that exertion, you know, you're crystallizing your identity in that. It gives you another sort of uh, hideout or exactly. something where you, yeah. you can still be a thing. Yeah. You're the breather. I'm breathing. Or there's breath happening. There's an awareness of breath happening, you know, and then yeah. a resting, abiding in the awareness of that breath happening. You're noticing yeah. breath. It's a huge difference from I am focused on breathing. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and the, that, you know, um, I heard uh, on YouTube, Cho, you know, Chogum Trumpa Rinpoche, all his great lectures. And 
the way he put it is, uh, you know, someone comes home from work and sits down on the couch and goes, mm. and he said, this is, you could compare this to enlightenment, except enlightenment is that, except it doesn't stop. It's just. Oh, that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. cool. The end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's something like that. Or, yeah. but, it, but I like, um, you know, uh, that having some, like Trump or Rinpoche, he talks about demythologizing enlightenment. Don't mm-hmm. make such a big deal out mm-hmm. of it. And it seems like Pima Chodron is kind of saying the same thing, yeah. which is like, yeah, we're all caught up in like this big deal thing. But those little moments, maybe every time we find ourselves going, that's a little enlightenment. That's yeah. a little tiny taste of, of yeah. it, a little a moment where we become who we really are. Oh, that's gorgeous. That's a quote right there. Put it in the book. <laughs> Put okay, that one in the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to talk about confidence. You mentioned that word earlier, and I know it's something that I've struggled with, and I know a lot of people that have written to me struggle with that. You are a whole stand-up comedian. Tell me how you found like your power and were able like, to stand in it, to stand in it on stage in front of people like with that. Oh, well, I mean, this is what's so cool I, about stand-up comedy is that it, it you when you start doing comedy, probably 100% actually, unless you're a mutant or something, when you start doing comedy, you're just not going to be, you can't be that good at it. It, it, you, it takes a long time to get good at stand-up comedy. Or, or by good, I mean, well, you, you basically like go through these phases and, and, and you'll have comics that you love. And so it's not like you steal their material, but you'll try to like kind of like do be like them or yeah. something. Because that's what you're influenced by. Yeah. Everyone does it when they're, you know, learning how to do an art form. Uh, I've even heard stories of authors typing, like copying an entire book that they like just to feel what it was like to write the wow. book. Yeah, of another author just to wow. feel the... You know, I think there's something silly about it in the sense that, you know, any final form of a book has, like, been gone through many hands and been revised many times. But still, I get it. Mm -hmm. So, but what ends up happening, well, actually, at the comedy store, this is where I uh, learned to do comedy, uh, on the, right above the, where they sell tickets, the the owner of the comedy store, Mitzi Shore, had placed a, a sign for the open micers. Every Sunday they would come in and they'd get three minutes and they'd stand in line forever just to do three minutes of stand-up. But the sign said, and she called it potluck is what she called it, the open mic. Not an open mic, potluck, just because you never know what you're going to get. Yep. Who's going to go up? That's but great. <laughs> the sign said, for three minutes, not to be funny, but to be yourself. Oh, and that's so, good. Yeah, wrapped up in that is, mm-hmm. you know, at least her philosophy of stand-up comedy in general, which is that the sooner you're able on stage to just be you and then tell your jokes versus being someone else yeah. and trying to tell stories, the funnier you're going to be, you know, because the the, the um, it's it already is enough just to be human i think you know and the the situation of you know being in front of people talking is already ridiculous like what a <laughs> silly thing that you've gotten yourself into what a crazy <laughs> predicament you're in that you're now in front of a bunch of people you have to talk to them it's ridiculous that you should find yourself there and um so uh that's that's what ends up happening if you pursue comedy and you um stick stick with it long enough eventually you have this sort of the ironic realization that all you needed to do is just be yourself on stage and and and, you know you probably would have been okay of course you have to write jokes which isn't which isn't easy uh (laughs) but but both you know so so yeah, it it took a it, it takes a long time. It takes a very long time. I, just like this spirituality stuff sometimes. Yeah. I think to myself, I don't even know if I've even started yet. I think it's it was so powerful when you said, you know, be yourself. And I like completely bought into that for a couple of seconds until my mind came back in and said, 
who are you though? And because I remember when I was in high school, you know, very awkward and anxious, my mom would be like, just be yourself. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. And I wasn't into spirituality yet. I had a lot of questions about who I was and why I was here, but I was just trying to fit in and just trying to get along. And I'm like, I don't know what, like, I don't know. All of my personality felt like it was cobbled together from home and movie, like the last movie I watched and the, you know, friends I had. And so that's, I think that's been my whole life too. It's just like, what is this? And so just kind of putting that down and, it seems in that resting, in that abiding in love, that there's still an ego here. It's a spiritual ego, but it fills more myself than what I was trying to do, you know, like in my 20s and early yeah. 30s. Yeah. Well, you know, it's the, my, David Nictor, my teacher, will uh, talks sometimes about I met about, him. I, I met him. He's, right. That's right. He was on, he was the guitar player. Yeah, that's right. In Krishnadas's band. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's a uh, relative reality versus absolute reality, you, uh, heaven and earth. And mm-hmm. so um, so we're, you know, we're, we're living in a world right now and, and we do have personalities and we do have, you know, ways of expressing ourselves that are unique to us. How, where did we get these Various ways of expressing ourselves, probably from imitation, and then refining whatever we imitated into some something we call who we are. Mm. Is this permanent, unchanging? No, obviously not. It's incredibly transient, and um, and I, for me, that's that's always been quite a relief to to realize that, so that you don't get you know. So you know, sometimes someone might say to you, "Who are I? Don't even know who you are." And you're like, me either. I, I don't know who I am. <laughs> right. Welcome to the I club. Don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to my world. How do you think I feel? Right. <laughs> um, uh, so um, that, that, um, so that is the quality of, of us. And, and, and I think that there's a, it's safe to say that we're all kind of running the same operating system here with very with maybe different apps, mm, you know, I like that, that we all have. That's a good and one. So, Put that in the book too. Damn. Okay, I will. I probably, <laughs> uh, you know, but that being said, you know, we, people are running different apps, but from a kind of understanding of ourselves, we can understand every everyone else. Yeah. And, and maybe tune into a sort of universal person. Um uh, which um, my favorite comics, when you see them on stage, that it's not just that they're transmitting like their own experience of life, but I mean, one thing people say is they're saying things I've thought, but I've never said out loud. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and so that that I think once you come to know yourself, you you're not just knowing you, you're knowing humanity as a whole. You know, uh, yeah. this um. You want to hear a poem real quick? Of course. I read this. I just found this poem, and it's pretty awesome, but it kind of has this idea in it. Um, It's called Song of the Grassroof Hermitage by Shitao Ziquan. I'm mispronouncing that. I'm sorry. Mm. They're dead. doesn't matter. I'm sorry (laughs) to anyone. um, I don't think they would care. They're a Zen Zen monk. But... um, it's a, apparently it's, this is about meditation. I've built a grass hut where there's nothing of value. After eating, I relax and enjoy a nap. When the hut was completed, fresh weeds appeared. Now it's been lived in, covered by weeds. The person in the hut lives here calmly, not stuck to inside, outside, or in between. Places worldly people live, he doesn't live. Realms worldly people love, she doesn't love. Though the hut is small, it includes the entire world. In 10 feet square, an old man illumines form and their nature. A a Mahayana Bodhisattva trusts without doubt. The middling or lowly can't help wondering, will this hut perish or not? Perishable or not, the original master is present not dwelling south or north, east or west, firmly based on steadiness. It can't be surpassed. 
a shining window below the green pines. Jade palaces or vermilion towers can't compare with it. Just sitting with head covered, all things are at rest. Thus, this mountain monk doesn't understand at all. Living here, he no longer works to get free. Who would proudly arrange seats trying to entice guests? Turn around the light to shine within. Then, just return. The vast, inconceivable source can't be faced or turned away from. Meet the ancestral teachers. Be familiar with their instruction. Bind grasses to build a hut and don't give up. Let go of hundreds of years and relax completely. Open your hands and walk innocent. Thousands of words, myriad interpretations, are only to free you from obstructions. If you want to know the undying person in the hut, don't separate from this skin bag here and now. So we get to be the skin bag. Yay. (laughs) Wow. Let me see that. This is um, from this wonderful book called Cultivating the Empty Field. Ah, it's really great. And yeah, it's it's a good one. The Silent Illumination of Zen Master Hong Zi. I really love this book. All I could feel while you were reading was like omnipresence, omnipresence. Like it doesn't go anywhere. It can't go anywhere. Undying. It can't go anywhere. You you can't lose it and you can't gain it. Mm. That's what pisses us off. Exactly. It's like if we could lose it, then we could feel ashamed about losing right. it. And also we could be like, look, I lost it. That's why I'm an asshole. <laughs> but if we could gain it, then we could feel like I got it and yep. you didn't. Yep. And then we could feel superior. But because of the, it's this thing that you can't really have exactly. or or lose, it's quite frustrating to the that the 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 personality. Right. The, the mind can't take of, it. <laughs> it's pretty brutal on one level, yeah. <laughs> Ah, oh, so beautiful. I love you. Thank you. Love you. Thank you so Thank you. much. Thank you. Can you tell us what's coming up with you, like for you, how we can support you, where we can find you? Yes. Thanks for asking. I, well, I have a podcast called the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. And um, if you're, I'm going to be uh, in Nashville doing stand-up comedy uh, the weekend after Valentine's Day. So if you happen to live in the South, come see, come see me perform. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for joining me on New Growth, joining us. I hope to see you again soon.